Today on the Accounting For You podcast, we're going to be talking about some year-end tax-saving strategies and tips to help individuals and businesses. Welcome to the Accounting For You podcast, brought to you by the accounting firm of Adkins & Reynolds CPAs. This podcast is designed to provide relevant tax and accounting information to help you and your business succeed. If you enjoy listening in, please like and subscribe to our channel. Now, on to the show. Well, welcome back to the Accounting for You podcast. I am Chris Reynolds, CPA and partner with Adkins and Reynolds CPAs. And I am Jay Adkins, CPA and partner with Adkins and Reynolds CPAs. As we talked there in the intro, we're going to do a little bit of uh, maybe some year-end tax planning uh, tips and some strategies maybe that you can implement if you're an individual or a business. Obviously, Jay and I work a lot with taxes being CPAs and, and in the you know the practice that we, that we have here. Uh, so we kind of wanted to help you uh, help yourself with uh, maybe some tips that you could implement here by the end of the year. Um, so yeah, well, let's just get started. Uh, the first one that I think uh, is is so uh, overlooked uh, because most people know that the tax deadline is April the 15th uh, every year, so long as there's no Washington, D.C. holidays or anything thrown in there. But that's the timely filing of your personal income tax return. I mean, if you don't timely file your return and you owe money, then you're going to owe penalties and interest. And to me, that's just salt into the wound. Sure it is, yes. And a lot of people have the misconception that when they file an extension, that extends everything. But it only extends the paperwork filing. You still have to pay what you owe by the due date. And you may not know exactly what you owe if your tax return is not finished. But you have to take an educated guess and try to pay in what you owe by the due date. Right. So you have to almost kind of semi-do your tax return, uh, at least on paper, you know, to come up with an idea of what you owe to file to pay with that extension. Because if you don't pay money with your extension and you don't file maybe till October the 15th when the extension runs out and you try to pay all your tax then, you're still going to owe, you know, late payment penalty and interest. And again, those those penalties are not cheap. And so save yourself some money, get your taxes done on time. And if you can't get them done on time, file the extension and then pay what you think you owe, you know, if, if you're going to owe. Now, if, if somebody, I, I get this a lot, am I going to be penalized if I file my tax return late, but I get a refund? The interest and penalties are based on balance due. So if you're late and you're getting a refund, you're not going to get interest and penalties from the IRS, but you're really cheating yourself because it's money the government owes you and you haven't collected it from them and they're just holding it interest free. Yeah, they don't, they don't pay interest on your refund if you don't file for it. So you can't, it's, it's not a, an additional savings plan. No, <laughs> it does not work that way. So, okay. So we're going to file timely file our tax returns. If we're an individual uh, businesses too, obviously, if you, if you have uh, corporate returns that are due March 15th, you know, you got to make sure those are timely filed, even though maybe like a pass through entity where like a partnership or an S corporation where there may be no tax due on that return, you still can be penalized for filing late if you don't file for the extension. Um, and how, how, how do people, why do people get penalized on those pass-throughs? Well, that that's a different thing. As I mentioned on the individual returns, if you don't owe anything, you don't get an interest in penalty. It's based on the balance. But on the business tax returns, uh, that's not the case. If you file those late, there will be a penalty per shareholder on an S-corp or on a partnership. And the reason for that penalty is because the tax return 
has information flowing through to the personal tax returns and the government wants those filed timely so the individuals can file their tax returns timely. Right. And those penalties, again, are not cheap either. They're per per partner, per, per shareholder, per month, yes. and they do add up. So each month that you're late, those are just adding on. And if you have multiple partners or members in an LLC, for instance, that's a pretty hefty penalty that they will they will hit you for. So uh, the, the big idea here is make sure you timely file your returns, and if you don't, file an extension. I mean, I think that's a real easy tax-saving uh, for you. All right, so if you're an individual, uh, another way to save uh, tax dollars is through retirement contributions, and you could be doing this through your employer. If you work for an employer and they have a retirement plan, make sure you're maxing out your retirement contributions if you can afford to do so. You know, those 401ks, I mean, those limits are pretty high to right. where you can do it. And again, that comes off your federal taxable income. And then it, additionally, if you're eligible, there are traditional IRAs that can be uh, contributed to. And we're looking, you can do those all the way up to what, April the 15th? Yes. April or the 15th. IRA, yes. Yeah. So it, when you're getting ready to file your tax return, you know, especially if you're like working with us, we can say, yeah, you're, you know, you're eligible, you're not eligible, and you can make that contribution for the previous tax year all the way up until the due date of your tax return, April the 15th. That way you can have your tax return basically finalized and know all the numbers if that helps you in making your contribution to know how it's going to affect you. Right. So you can see, is it financially, uh, you know, beneficial to do this contribution, right? Uh, you know, in the traditional IRA. But now, uh, retirement contributions through your employer have to be done ahead of time. You can't do those in March of the next year for the previous year. Again, that's as you're paid through the year those contributions. But here, toward the end of the year, if you have the ability, you could you know maybe talk to your HR, your payroll person, however your your company works, and maybe get your contributions increased this year to you know drive that taxable income down. It puts money into your retirement plan. Hey, so it's a win-win there. Tax savings and retirement savings. So Right. And on uh, companies that have a match, uh, as we always mention on those, if you contribute up to the match, it's basically a 100% return on your money. Right. Yeah. So don't leave the match on the table if you right. can. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, something else to consider uh, as an individual, uh, HSA contributions, uh, health savings accounts. Uh, if, if you have a high deductible health insurance plan, you may have it uh, coupled in with a health savings, uh, health savings arrangement account. I think that's what they call it. HSA for short. Um, but this allows you to, uh, put money into an account to pay for your medical expenses. It comes off again, federal, uh, federal income tax, uh, income. So you don't have to pay tax on it. And then it makes you, allows you to use those monies to pay for medical expenses. So you kind of get those that, you know, those medical expenses, you know, tax free, Right uh, above the line deduction, it, uh, you know, it comes off your adjusted gross income, um, and there's different limits on it based upon if you have a single plan, if you have a family plan. Um, we're not going to get into those limits, but most of them are in the three to seven thousand dollars in the year of, of how much you can contribute to those. So you don't want to leave money on the table if you, you know, if you've got medical expenses and you have an HSA, put the money in there to pay those expenses. And important thing with an HSA, it carries over. Yes. So you can put the money in in December, but not spend the money for years and years and years in advance. It's not like a flexible spending account or anything, right? You know, like that. Yeah, it's not a use it or lose it. Uh, so if your expenses are lower when you put the money in, it is there later. 
Um, you can you know, do different things with it, save it, invest it within the account. Uh, and then uh, when for those who turn 65, I mm-hmm. believe it can be converted into an IRA at that point. Okay. Yep. And then we talked uh, briefly there about a flexible spending account. Um, now, can you kind of elaborate maybe more on what's a, what that is? Well, that gets more into a use it or lose it. Uh, if you have money taken out of your paycheck during the year for uh, say, you know, healthcare expenses or something along those lines, uh, you can lose that at the end of the year, unlike the HSA. So as you approach the end of the year, if you have a flexible spending account, you might want to check on that to make sure that you know, you're not going to mm-hmm. uh, lose that. You know, For example, uh, I've seen uh, buying eyeglasses, which can be expensive, or contacts in December uh, to use the money versus losing it. Right. So don't let that get away from you. So, all right. Um, another big tax tip for individuals is charitable contributions uh, and other itemized deductions. So uh, when they changed the tax code several years ago, they really changed the standard deduction now to where a standard deduction for an individual, I think for 2023 is almost 14,000. It's almost 28,000 for a married filing joint uh, tax return. So not as many people will contribute to charities and get those tax deductions or mortgage interest. So there's not as big a tax saving. So you have to maybe plan some of that around. Um, and we were talking a little bit about that before the show here. So what was your idea there on the charitable contributions planning? Well, if you're a higher income taxpayer who has the ability to make large contributions, uh, I've had the conversation before with someone who said, I'd like to give you know, $10,000 a year to charity. Uh, well, if 10000 is the amount you're giving, you may not have enough to itemize if you do that each year. So the idea was, why not make a $50,000 contribution in one year and then maybe not do the contributions for tax purposes in four others? That way you get to itemize that year. And in the years where you're not making the charitable contributions, you can always fall back on the standard deduction. Right. But it's important to know that these charitable contributions and other itemized deductions, for instance, state and local taxes, home mortgage interest, are all about when you pay them. And yes. they have to be done by the end of the year to pay those, you know, to count those on your tax year. Uh, so keep that in mind if you're trying to plan your charitable contributions or other itemized deductions and trying to get that in a current year. Make sure those you know, checks are written and everything before the end of the year because you don't want to uh, you know, miss that deadline. So it's important to remember that. Um, the next thing, uh, is something that I don't think a lot of people think of just because there's really no federal tax benefit currently, but are five to nine contributions for, uh, college and now even, um, uh, undergraduate, I don't know, it's probably right. not undergraduate, but high school and lower right. grades where you can use your money. Uh, to pay for those tuitions. So 529 contributions, the money goes in. You don't get any federal tax benefit immediately, but when you use that money to uh, pay for tuition, you're also not paying any tax on the um, income that it has generated. Right, which over the years you know, can be big if you start when a child's younger and it grows interest, dividends, capital gains over the years. You pull that out, use it for educational purposes, mm-hmm. and you don't have to pay tax on it. Uh, and in certain states, there are tax benefits 
um, um, on the state tax return where you don't have it on the federal, but you can't have it on the state. Right. For instance, West Virginia gives you a um, deduction for any contribution made to the West Virginia state plan. And I know there are other states out there that do a similar arrangement where, so it does come off your income in those states and you're still not paying any tax on the money if, so long as you're using it for tuition. Right. So we don't want to forget about that. And again, those are things that need to be done before the end of the year because individuals are cash basis taxpayers. So the money is all about when you spend that money. Um, all right, so enough about individuals. We're going to talk a little bit about some businesses because we, you know, we do a lot with businesses and their owners here. Um, and something that, and I, I know we've talked about this before, but uh, I've had other people say, "Well, my accountant will always tell me, or my other, my old accountant always told me when I needed to go spend some money on equipment." And I'm like, first off, well, um, do you need the equipment? First off, if you do, that's great. Then let's see if we, about the planning of when we want to purchase that equipment because it may be a good year to speed that purchase up to the end of this year or maybe you want to defer that maybe to the next year depending if how your income is flowing. But something to keep in mind this year uh, is bonus depreciation and how that changed. Yes. Uh, the previous few years, uh, you've had the Section 179 where you could expense equipment that I believe that's up to, it's over $1 million, $1.16 million, I think. And, but you also had the option of bonus depreciation, which was a little different. Mm -hmm. And they came out to the same. Um, you could do 100% of the cost bonus depreciation. You could do you know 100% of Section 179 up to the $1.16 million limit. Well, now things have changed. The bonus depreciation is only 80% of the cost. So you definitely, if you're going to have large equipment purchases um, you know, under the, the 1.16 million or any purchases uh, under that, you're going to use the Section 179 to get 100% of it. If you're a business that would happen to go over the limit on the 179, you still have the bonus depreciation available, but it's only 80%. So it's not as good. It's So you need to be careful with that versus prior years when they were basically the same. Right. So keep that in mind that you, if you're, if you're a large business, you may have to use section 179, then go to bonus depreciation. But your, your best choice this year is for a, you know, especially a smaller business is going to be using the section 179 and not the bonus depreciation, right. but you're still going to get that hundred percent write off, but it's important to keep that keep keep in mind it doesn't make financial sense to purchase equipment or buy things like that if you don't if your business doesn't need it because um, you, again you're only saving let's say if your tax rate's 30 percent for every dollar you spend you're only saving 30 cents on tax so don't spend money to save money on tax i've had that come up before uh, that i will work with people they're so focused on the tax savings that they don't look at the economic side of it and might buy something that they don't really need. And again, as Chris said, you know, if you spend a dollar to save 30 cents, that's not a good idea if you don't need what you're buying. Right. It's a fast way to go broke. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't want you to go broke, so don't, don't do that. Um, all right, well, something else, if you're a cash basis uh, business, it may be a good idea to look at the end of the year about maybe speeding up some of your January expenses up into December. If you're, you know, you're going to need, uh, for instance, 
our business, we, we rely on a lot of paper. You know, we know we're going to need a lot of paper in January, so maybe we'll stock up in December for our paper and, you know, things like that. But again, all of this plays into is how is your income in the year? Do you need the deductions this year or do you need the deductions next year? Because maybe your income's down really low this year. You're already going to be in low tax brackets. Maybe you don't need that kind of uh, tax strategy for this year. So maybe you wait till to, you know, add those expenses or, you know, into the, the following year. Likewise, income deferral. Uh, if you're big, big income in the current year and you have a deal getting ready to close toward the end of the year, that's going to be that much more income. Maybe you can structure that ag- agreement to where you're not going to, you know, complete the deal maybe till, uh, you know, January of the year. Right. Yeah. It's, it's common that, you know, we'll see, uh, clients, uh, for example, who sell their business. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's coming down to the end of the year, it's amazing how that uh, the business will sell January 2nd instead of December 31st. That's not by accident. Right. That's yeah. moving possibly a lot of income into the next tax year. Right. Yeah. So, again, you know, there needs to be a business purpose for it, but obviously, you, you know, you've just got to watch that and make sure you're, you know, you're, you're planning on that. Um Something else to keep in mind for businesses and their owners is uh, retirement contributions. So if you're a, especially if you're like a single member LLC and you have income through a Schedule C business, there's our SEP contributions, retirement contributions uh, that can be made. And those can be actually made into your retirement plan all the way up until the due date of your return, including the extensions. And that's common. I see clients using that, that the, you know, the SEP contribution will be made in October at the due date for their tax return for the previous year. Yeah, and the SEP contributions, they can be hefty if you have the income. It's all based upon the business income. But those can be, you know, uh, what are they, $50,000, $60,000 current tax law? So that's a lot of money that can be deferred and, again, comes off your uh, federal taxable income. Um, Something... um, Okay. Also, businesses this year, and this is really not maybe a tax uh, savings for 23, but if you're a business and you have 10 or more uh, either W-2s or 1099s that you send out, there is a new requirement this year that you have to have those electronically filed in this coming tax season. Um, If you don't electronically file and you're supposed to, there will be penalties. So there's your money savings on that. That's a big change. I mean, in the past, Mm -hmm. the feds have had that limit at 250, and now they're dropping it to 10 uh, and including 1099s along with the W-2s. Some of the states have had electronic filings already. But this is a big move for the federal government. Yeah. So, I mean, if you have like, you think, well, this wouldn't affect me. I have one employee and, you know, a few contractors that I pay contract labor for. And I, I have to send a 1099 for my rent that I pay for my business. You start adding it up. And if you have 11 of those forms in the year, then you're required to electronically file. And so you've got to be ready for that coming up because that that is a big change. Uh, again, it has only affected bigger businesses here right. in the past year but this is this is one of those that's going to change uh, pretty much everybody right. I, would, I would say and we've seen in the past when the move starts to lower that number eventually it becomes a requirement for everyone no matter the level right and then the IRS can penalize you for not filing your forms in the proper way so 
Well, I still filed my forms on paper and I did it on time. It doesn't matter if you were under the electronic filing requirements, they can still penalize you for that. So and again, these are forms that have no tax due, right? But yeah. there's still a penalty if you don't file them properly. Yeah. Now you can still mail your W-2s to your employees. You can still mail your 1099s to your landlord, to your contractors, different things like that. But this is talking about filing with the Social Security Administration for the W-2s and then the 1099s that go to the IRS. That's what we're talking about, the electronic filing requirement. So just, uh, just keep that in mind. Um, I think the no, the next big tax tip I would say uh, is to make, especially if you're a business, is to make sure your bookkeeping, your records, they're clean. You know, we want to make sure that your records are up to date. We want to make sure that uh, everything is in order. Uh, you're coding transactions the way your bank accounts are reconciled. Because you know, as accountants, if we're trying to help you plan and project your you know tax for the year, and you bring us messy books to look at we really can't advise you uh, until those books are <laughs> until those books are clean and ready to go and if these books are messy a lot of times we're working on them in tax season after the year end which limits a lot of options as far as the things that we've talked about for right. tax savings tax planning so they do need to be clean yeah so if you don't know how much income you have in the current year going into november how do you know if this is the year I need to spend money on equipment, or maybe this is the year that I need to try to defer income to the next year. I mean, how if, if you don't have good records and your, your accounting is not caught up, you don't know what your income is for the year, you can't make these kind of decisions. And we certainly can't help you make those decisions if we don't have proper, you know, good information. And one of the issues I will see with that is that I will hear, well, I must be doing okay. I have cash in the bank. Well... <laughs> How did you get cash in the bank? Did you borrow money? Have you not paid some of your payroll taxes? There's a lot of ways to have cash in the bank. Right. But things still may not be what they seem. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, we don't, you know, we don't sort of stick our finger up in the air to see what the weather is on that, you know, <laughs> it's too important. <laughs> um, so obviously that's where, you know, our services can come into, you know, we offer CPA managed bookkeeping services to where we're actually uh, overseeing the bookkeeping. We have a team of bookkeepers here that work with, work with businesses to make sure their records are up to date. And then we can do timely tax planning and tax projection to make sure that they're, you know, taking advantage of these tax rules and making sure that we can advise them on maybe when to buy equipment if they need equipment or when not to buy the equipment if they don't need to buy equipment uh, or how much their SEP contribution may be for the year. You know, with good, clean books, we can help you uh, help you with that. Uh, and here at uh, our firm, Adkins & Reynolds, we offer subscription-based accounting and tax services so that where you're paying a fixed rate each month and we uh, give you a menu of services to where, you know, we can help you and your business ongoing through the whole year. So whether it's March or November, your books are up to date. And uh, we've had some really good success with that. Yes, say? we have. Uh, the tax planning, of course, is much easier with mm -hmm. clean books. Yeah. Uh, you know, now as we're approaching the year end, uh, you know, we have quarterly clients uh, either caught up or soon will be caught up through September. We have monthly clients caught up as far as we can. So we know exactly where they stand because we've made all the adjustments. And with the subscription-based accounting, we've found that uh, clients like that a lot because of the smooth cash flow. 
Right. Yeah. So what horror story from other accountants is, you know, they did my tax return. I hadn't heard from them all year. They did my tax return and then I got a big bill that I wasn't ready for. So that's what we try to alleviate here. You know, we try to smooth that out with the subscription based uh, so subscription based idea there that we that we work on that. And again, businesses seem to really like it just because, again, smooths out cash flow, allows your books to be up to date. And, and it works great for us, too, because we can give timely advice and we feel like we can help you as much as we feasibly can help you. <laughs> right. Wouldn't you say? Yes. Yeah. Um, so anyways, if you're interested in any of those kinds of services, obviously reach out to us. Uh, we'll have all of our connection uh, points here in the uh, the, the description. Uh, Jay, do you have any uh, final thoughts on anything we've talked about today? Um, the tax planning is very important, uh, whether you are an individual or a business. Uh, as we've gone over, there's a lot of things that we can help you with. But again, it all comes back to do we have the proper information, clean books, records, to help you make decisions because it is very important. Yeah, very important. All right. Well, I think that's all we have for you today on the Accounting for You podcast. We'll see you next time. Thank you for taking time today to listen to our podcast. We appreciate listeners like you and ask that if you enjoy what you hear, please like and subscribe to our channel to ensure you receive the latest episodes as soon as they come out. If you have any questions about the topic we discussed today or would like more information on becoming a client, please do not hesitate to contact our office by visiting arcpas.com or theaccountingpodcast.com.